0: Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Well, hello, welcome online campus. Um, I'm so stoked to be uh, preaching today, speaking today. Um, it's an honor to be kind of, you know, in the lineup that we've recently been having. Um, and we're going to get straight into it. So if you have a Bible, um, uh, the verse today is 2 Kings verses 5, uh, uh, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 19 to 16. And it says this, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and, and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned off and went in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world, Accept Israel. So please accept a gift from your student. Ask ah, so your, your your servant. The prophet answered, "As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept the thing." And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are good. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would um, speak to us today. Uh, Lord, I just pray that everyone who is listening to this uh, would you fill them and um, give them peace, Lord. Um, and we pray that yeah you will be done today. Everyone said, "Amen." Um. First, first and second Samuel, as well as first and second Kings, um, always have um, you know a bit of a you know always have a little bit of a soft spot for those books in the Bible. Um, in my life, they were the the first kind of books that I would read um, in the Bible. as in terms of kind of being an adult, and they're the first ones that I got into. The reason why I chose them is because you know I wanted to hear about the story of David. Um, in my mind, you know I knew him from from kids' church, and um, so truthfully, I was going ah, I can just kind of skip over, read it really easily because I know what's going to happen. Um, but I, 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 I ended up finding so much more. Uh, these um, uh, books, so I was maybe about 19, 20 years old, was the first time that it really felt like you know, the word of, um, of God was kind of leaping off um, the pages and talking to me. Um, I fall in love with Jesus um, all over again. And then I came across the story that we just read. At the time of reading the story, um, I actually had all these um, uh, spots all over my skin. And there's kind of these red spots that they um, itchy, They were sore, um, and I read about how Naaman was going, was 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 to bathe in the Jordan River um, seven times, and then he would be clean. And I thought to myself, "Well, you know, I've just read this. You know, I feel like the scripture's been talking to me in so many other different ways. Um, I, I'm I'm going to do this. So I drew a bath. Um, you know, got the water, got it, you know, nice and warm. Um, I didn't put any soap in the water because I figured, well, if the Jordan River um, is dirty, then I can't put any soap in the water um, because you know that'll be It'll make it too clean. <laughs> and so, um, uh, in my mind, I was going, you know, I was filled with faith and I was going to go, okay. So I, so I jumped in the water, bathed myself, washed, you know, got out, towel, jumped back in, boom, got out, towel. By, you know, the third or fourth time of doing this, the towel was too, was too wet um, to dry myself. So, you know, got rid of the towel, grabbed another one, jumped in fifth time, sixth time, then jumped in for the seventh time. And this one I wanted it to be. Um, you know, uh, special. So I did it almost as you would a baptism. You know, I made sure I was fully in, fully submerged myself in the water. Came up. My heart was racing. I was filled with faith. I was feeling excited. Um, I didn't want to look at my at my, at my skin because I knew I you know I had to actually dry myself first to, for the for the for the cleaning process to be to be over. So got out, dried myself. Heart rate, you know, boom 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 boom. Heart rate going, faith feeling um, uh, lifted, drying myself, you know, it's classic, classic movie shot, right, you know, face, uh, a towel to the face, looked up, looked at my skin, still red dots, <laughs> turns out I just had fleas, <laughs> so I wasted a whole bunch of time, um, but it was, a, it, was a, it was an important time for me because it was kind of this moment where I realized um, sometimes we can overcomplicate things. Um, For us, you know, we we want to do great things. Um, In this moment, I'd realized that I wanted this great moment to happen to me, to be cleansed, to be healed, uh, when really what I could have done is just gone and bought a flea bomb (laughs) or not invited people who had fleas into my home. (laughs) Um, When I think back on my Christian journey, um, I've noticed that I've had a consistent tendency um, to overcomplicate some areas of my life, especially areas in in terms of um, uh, my faith, in terms of my spiritual walk. The word complicated is not really a word um, that we like. Um, it's the reason why we refuse to learn new board games. It's the reason why we want to avoid change. Um, it's the reason why we get frustrated at work, the reason why we give up on tasks. Um, it's the word we use to try to define ill-defined relationships. Simple's a weird word as well because I feel like simple is not quite a word um, uh, that, we like, that we like. Simple has become synonymous with a lack of intelligence, um, with being basic, kind of having no interests. You know, he's, he's very simple. Um, I used simple the other day to describe um, one of my friends and I I, I actually meant it as a compliment, you know, he's simple, there's nothing complicated to this man but the kind of the side eye I was getting and all of these, I felt like I had to kind of retract that statement you know, very quickly Um, as I get older and and, and as I've journeyed through kind of being a Christian um, I realised that um, I am simple, I am a very simple man Um, what's a, um, there's a Boba Fett quote Uh, yeah, I'm a simple man like my father before me, or something, anyway um, I'm, I'm, I am simple. Um, both in, 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 in many of the ways that we have negative connotations to the word, of course, but also um, in, 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 in its purest form, in its truest form, in its truest definition. I am simple. I don't like things to be complicated. I like things to be straightforward. Um, I like things, you know, um, uh, no strings attached, no fine print. That's how I like to live. So the title of my message um, uh, is, is called Keep It Simple Stupid. This is a phrase my history teacher had stapled Um, To their wall when we would go to hand in assignments, Um, you know the whole idea of you know answer the question that's being asked, Um, do the assignment according to the instructions. If you can do something simply, why overcomplicate it and then make it make it you know this this, this elaborate essay when when a simple sentence would actually answer the question. Simple is a great thing, and I've learned that there are a few simple areas of my Christian walk that I've overcomplicated or even just completely neglected because, like Naaman said. I wanted a great thing to happen to me. I wanted to do a great thing um, uh, rather than just doing some simple things. The first one of those is prayer. Um, when, I, when I when I was younger, my interpretation of prayer was almost like that of a genie. Um, you know, I thought it was a chance where I could ask God for a wish and that he would make this wish come true. Um, the worst of these times was when um, I was about, I think, 16 and I sat my restricted driver's license test, which is kind of the second level. You have your learners, you're restricted. That's one where you can... Um, you know, drive on your own, um, and I was sitting my restricted driver's license test, and I did, I don't know, I did, did a turn too bad, or something like that, and essentially, like I failed it, and it was so embarrassing, um, it was so embarrassing, that my brother, when he, when he asked how I went, and I told him I failed, he thought I was joking, um, I was the youngest of my friend group, and they all had their restricted licenses, and um, you know, I was the only one that didn't have my restricted license, and I remember just being crushed, I was crushed, I went to bed that night, um, and I prayed, and and, and um. I'm really not making this up as well. I prayed and and I sincerely prayed to the Lord that night. I said, God, I know you're powerful enough to do this. Um, so can you just once, just, just reverse time, just one time, just reset the day. Let me go to sleep. Let me wake up. You're powerful enough to do it. And then, you know, no one else knows about it. And please, Lord, just let me reset that test. I went to sleep and, you know, needless to say, I woke up and it was the next day <laughs> still filled with... Um, embarrassment, but now filled with frustration because because God didn't answer um, this, this completely unreasonable prayer. Um, for me, I grew up, uh, you know, when I talk about prayer, just to kind of give a little bit of um, history, I grew up in a Baptist church, uh, then my family moved to a very conservative church after that, and then finally I spent a few years at a rise Church with Levi and Nadia. Um, my history with prayer has been a journey. Um, the first time I was, I was ever asked to pray for people, um, I knew this verse, Isaiah 40 verse 31. Uh, which is, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. When I first got, you know, I was asked to pray for people. I thought you had to have a Bible scripture. And so I, I this is the only Bible scripture that i memorized. Um, and so I would pray that Bible scripture over everyone. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what you're going through. You're getting that scripture. You want a piece? That scripture. or well, I guess that actually works. Uh, you wanted, um, I don't know. You wanted the Holy Spirit? That scripture. And, and, you know, it was more, and, and sometimes I'll pray for for multiple people. So someone will come, and I'll pray for for a person right here. But then I'm also praying for a person right there. And so then I'm saying the same scripture to the two people. <laughs> I'm just going, you know, just say it and then just pray. So then I pray that you will soar on wings like eagles. And then and I pray that you will not grow weary. You know, <laughs> just <laughs> so you know, I'm sure I had a few people give me side eyes. You know, this guy just said the same thing to me. Um, uh, for the yeah yeah. So um uh, 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 I transitioned from um. Prayer being this thing that was kind of like a genie where, you know, make a wish and it comes true. Um, But then as I learned more about prayer, um, I realized that uh, it is much more than just asking God um, for what you want. Um, Prayer is a way to intercede for others. Um, It's a chance to align his will with my actions. It's a way to communicate with God. It's a way to praise him. And it is a way to ask him for things. The issue with that, um, especially in my life, um, is that now there's a lot more pressure. Um, Because if I'm just asking God for stuff that I want, there's no pressure to that. But now you're telling me that I have to intercede for other people? That I have to try to figure out what His will is through that? That I have to pray in front of people? And I have to pray for people? Now this, now this is a higher pressure game, And with my journey, that led to a lot more complications. There was a time where um, I was asked to pray. It was a, um, a prayer meeting. Maybe about you know, 150 to 200 um, university students were there. And we are praying for universities across New Zealand. And uh, you know, neighbor was praying. Maybe you know, four or five people have prayed before me. Um, and great prayers. Going for it, it's one of those rooms where, you know, people are filled with faith, loving it. Um, and then uh, I see the the one of the leaders kind of walking over towards me. You know, when you, you know when you know that someone's coming over to you and so you just close your eyes extra tight, you know, you just act like <laughs> you just do these ones, but you act like you're just praying hard out so that you don't want them to serve you. And then you know, then he put his hand on my on my um, on my shoulder. And so I just, you know, turn. Just I'm going, Oh, maybe you just feel just pray for me instead of asking me to pray. And then you know, the one eye picks open. And he goes, bro, do you want to um, go up and pray? You know, I said, look at him. Said, nah, bro. He goes, nah, nah, bro, come on, you can do it. Yeah, come up, come up and pray. And I went, you know, second time, a little bit too loud. Nah, bro. And he just goes, okay. But I said it so loud that maybe, you know, eight or nine people had kind of turned and looked and kind of watched what happened. Um, for me, the, 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 the overcomplication of prayer uh, had, had, had um, uh, turned itself into a fear which has stopped me from praying at all. I didn't want to pray in front of people, didn't want to pray in my private life, um, because you know, in my mind I'm going, well, if I'm not praying in front of people, then now I'm a hypocrite for praying in my private life. Um, And so these complications actually led to fear. The thing that we have to know uh, is that prayer is so um, powerful, and what's wonderful is that Jesus made it so simple for us. The only thing that the disciples specifically asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. Uh, Many would argue that um, the very key to Jesus' power was his prayer life. You know, say um, our private prayer life equals powerful public life, or whatever. I don't know. Whatever the there's, there's a phrase like that. Um, so what many people would argue would be the power, uh, the, the the key to Jesus's power. The disciples ask him, "How do we pray?" Which fair enough. At that moment, he um, he, he he had a chance to, to say, oh, you know, it's super complicated," but instead he gave perhaps what the what what, what is the most simplest of answers. Before I read out the scripture, um, here's something in kids' church that that I just want to um, uh, just want to repeat, which. I was talking to someone the other day about Kids Church and they're saying how much they love it. And they are going, you know, my faith, that's where my fundamentals come in. So I think when in doubt, go back to Kids Church. They gave, they gave a, um, uh, not an acronym, I guess it's an acronym, and a, and a, is it an acrostic poem, where, you know, the words go down and they give a word, the letters go down and they give a word. So for them, they said, this is, this is pray. P is praise, we praise him. R is repent. A is ask. And Y is yield. So let's think of that as we go through um, the Lord's Prayer. So Luke 11, verse 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's praise. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Praise again, it's putting him, putting him above us. Give us this day our daily bread. It's asking, forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. That's repentance. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's yielding, that's that's, that's um leading back, letting him guide us. Romans 8 verse um, um uh, 26 to 27 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Man, this takes off all the pressure. All of it. We've got Jesus who's giving us um, a simple uh, example of prayer. And then Romans saying this, If you feel weak, the Spirit helps us. If you don't know what to pray, welcome to the club. The Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. The Scripture could have said that the, the Spirit intercedes for us with the perfect words to say, but it doesn't. Wordless groans. If you're worried that you're going to say the wrong thing, the Scripture in Romans says He searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit that is interceding for us in accordance with the will of God. Your heart and the mind of the Spirit know the right thing. If you're not praying because you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing, let me encourage you to start that channel of communication with God and allow the Holy Spirit to intercede. If you think your prayers aren't good enough, remember that the Spirit intercedes for you and for me. The prayer warriors of our church, I'm making a few assumptions here, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but the prayer warriors of our church I'm sure started off feeling um, uh, very ill-equipped to pray. Not knowing, you know, not knowing without saying the right things, trying to test things out. But the only way that we can get better is, is, is praying is just simply open up the communication channel with God. That's all prayer is. Now, these prayer warriors that we have in our church, incredible, incredible men and women of God, um, uh, they pray so they've spent time with the Spirit. They know where the Spirit's leading them. Um, they know the will of God through the Spirit. So all I'm saying is just start. If you're not starting, start. And It's simple. The other thing I'll say is that prayer is powerful and the simple changing of posture can help this. I want to read out a few scriptures. So 1 Kings 8 verse 22. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, 1 Kings 8 verse 54. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards heaven. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. John 11 verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. John 17 verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. The traditional um, uh, posture of prayer in Jesus' time was a, lifted, was, li- was a lifted head with eyes raised and raised hands. What a difference and what a contrast that is, um, at least to what I think of when I would think of prayer. I mention these things not because I think that there is um, uh, you know, only one way that we should pray, but rather to, um, uh, uh, to challenge what my preconceived mindsets of what prayer was. I thought of prayer as you know, heads bowed, um, body language made small, quiet voices, hushed tones. This is a very different picture of prayer that we read about in the Bible. A very different posture than what Jesus had when he prayed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. To the human eyes, at least to my eyes, looks like weakness. And for me, that overflowed and leaked into my thoughts on prayer too. I don't think you'll find uh, in the Bible the position of, of um, heads bowed and eyes closed when it comes to prayer. We see either head, eyes, and, 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 and hands lifted in positions of strength. Or we see people on their knees, bowing and heads down in reverence and awe, or completely prostrated, completely lying flat in total humility. Um, I say this, yeah, I, not because um, you know we have to look strong in order for God to work, um, but just to say that the next time um, you pray, try something as simple as changing your posture: eyes raised, head up, arms lifted. Not because our prayers are more holy because of posture. And definitely not because it will make you look more noticeable or look more holy. We know in Matthew 6 verse 6 to 8 says, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Many years ago, if I was listening to someone preach this, um, I would be sitting there arms folded and I would be thinking, I can pray and worship without my hands raised. My heart is more important than my physical posture. God hears my thoughts, so I don't need to say them aloud. I still agree with those points. I still agree. You can pray and worship without your, without your, um, without your hands being raised. Yeah, you can. But your, your heart is more important than your physical posture. Of course. And God does hear your thoughts. However, my failure to change anything in my physical, um, and I can only speak for myself here, um, was due to pride. Um, I didn't want to change because I was worried that people would think that I was changing in order to impress man. I thought it would look stupid. And, and honestly, I enjoyed the comfort of having my hands down. You know, It's much easier when your hands are in your pocket. But I do think that there are many instances in the Bible that we can turn to where God says to his people, I'll do what you can't do and you do what you can. Moses' raised raised arms partnered with God's influence won a war. The priests carrying the ark of the Lord had to step into the Jordan before the water stopped flowing. The Israelites still had to march around the walls of Jericho before they fell. When Lazarus was called from the tomb, Jesus instructed those around to remove Lazarus' grave clothes. Letters could have come out no grave clothes, but Jesus did what only He can do, and we do what we can. When I pray, I make sure um, uh, uh, to do as much as I can while holding faith that God will do what only He can. The fortunate and wonderful thing about this is that the things that I can do is not a great thing. It's not a great thing. It's simple. It's stepping back and allowing the Spirit to intercede and help me. It's not letting fear hold me back. It's changing my posture and it's praying, not just in public, but behind closed doors too. Let me just share these two final verses on prayer. Um, these, mainly, they're just too good to leave out. Um, but Deuteronomy 4 verse 7, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord, our God, is near us whenever we pray to Him? And then Matthew 18 verse 19 to 20, This is the reason why I affirm when other people pray. When we're in prayer meetings, why I affirm their prayers. Um, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about, any, about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven, uh, by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. The next thing um, that I had um, uh, overcomplicated in my, in my Christian walk was hearing from God. Um, back in New Zealand, um, there was this time, I remember it must have been about four, four maybe four and a half years ago now. Um, uh, there was, so, my dad in the other room, me in the kitchen, Levi, Nadia, my brother, and my sister-in-law, all outside where they can all see into the house, uh, just chilling, chilling, chilling by the pool, you know, laughing, having a good time, all of these things, I'm the youngest of, 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 of us five, uh, my dad is one, of the, is one of those people that kind of has um, the authority to, to tell all five of us off at any point in time, he's just that person, you know what I mean, he's... We, we, we all kind of um listen to him, and when he tells you off you, you're now told off, you know what I mean um I'm the youngest and I'm the baby, and also the best child because I was actually I was, I was doing my dishes I was doing not my dishes, the dishes, everyone's dishes at the time. Um, but we we often joke between the five of us that I had a different upbringing to the to the other four. My dad, I have known nothing but um but love and you know hugs and um, peace and you know. I'm just, I'm the baby, you know, I didn't get told off, the other four on the other hand, they, they, they knew nothing but discipline <laughs> and harsh words, and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know when you're getting too close to the, too close to the... no, nah, my dad, my dad's awesome, he's genuinely awesome, um, and so I was, I was doing the dishes, those four outside in the pool, they, they can, they can all kind of see in, they can see me doing the dishes, and they can see my dad sitting in the other room, and um, there's, there's a wall between and they're all laughing, having a good time. And then I, I, I make some dumb joke to my dad. Just something dumb. You know, it's probably along the lines of, you know, you thought you had, I don't know, you think you're big or you think you can tell us off whenever you want. Or you think, you know, this or that. Some dumb joke. You just said it in the passing. Um, but then from the other room, all I hear is, Jaden, come here. You know, the dishes. I go, oh, you know, oh, flip, you know, put the dishes down. And then again, Jaden, come here now. But this time, you know, the voice is is rattling the house, you know what I mean? Rattles the house. And so I'm walking towards my dad. um, And then I'm I'm standing in front of him. Standing in front of him, the window's there. uh, And he starts grilling me, telling me off, you know, just whatever. Just, you know, what'd you say? You know? And then I have to tell him, I have to repeat the joke, all of these things. And what I noticed is that, you know, the distinctive laughter and chatter that had been happening outside had for some reason stopped. Um, I don't know why. But then while it's telling me off, I glanced up and I see four heads. And it's <laughs> one, two, three, four. All four of these, of, of, of these older, pretty much, pretty much my older siblings, all four of my older siblings, just watching with glee in their eyes as me, the baby, gets told off by my dad. And I look up and they just start laughing at me. And the reason why I tell that story, one, because it's flipping funny. Um, but two, for us, sometimes we, we, we think to ourselves that we want that booming voice. We want the booming voice that's gonna shake a house, shake a mountain. Uh, we want it to be super clear. We want the voice of God that will make everyone look. We want the voice of God that gives us no other choice but to go to that voice. In my life, I've asked many times how to hear from God. What does his voice sound like? How do I know if it's him speaking? Like Naaman, I wanted a great thing to happen to me. I thought that he would, you know, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. To me, I thought he would surely he's gonna to talk to me audibly wave his hands, show me the next step in life, give me signs and, signs and wonders. I wanted these great, great, great things to happen to me. And don't get me wrong, I still believe God speaks. I still believe that. But I didn't want to do something as simple as reading my Bible. There are people that are super ripped and I often say I'll do anything to look like them except for go to the gym daily and eat healthy. <laughs> Same thing when we look at people who, are, who hear from God. Oh, I want to hear from God. I'll do anything to hear from God except read my Bible daily. I wanted to hear God's voice rather than read His Word. And the honest truth to that is that I enjoyed the goosebumps of worship a lot. I enjoyed talking about um, the Bible in small groups. It was easier to have someone teach me every Sunday. Hearing God and living spiritually really is as simple as a daily discipline of reading the Bible. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger. Oh, yeah. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. And then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Key word here is living. Some of us aren't living by God's word. There are some of us who are reading God's word, but we're not living by it. And instead, we, 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 we use it to fight. But not appropriately against principalities and powers, but rather we're trying to use the, the word of God to fight against flesh and blood, to fight against each other. Ephesians 6, I put the whole armor of God uh, sorry, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Down to verse 15 and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and then verse 17 and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God Hebrews 4 verse 12 for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it pierces even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word is the sword given to us by the spirit. Deuteronomy tells us to live upon the word. Ephesians tells us that we don't use it to fight flesh and blood, but to fight principalities and powers, spiritual forces of evil. I bring this up because some of us, yeah, we, 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 we read the word, but we're not trying to live by it. Let me say, if you are attempting to read the Bible, to increase your knowledge in order, in order to cut others down, Friends, family, other Christians, non-Christians, enemies. Let me warn you and say that you will succeed. But that's not living on the word. Charles Spurgeon, one of the goats, um, uh, is quoted saying this, the worst tool with which you can knock a man down is the Bible. It is intended for us to live upon, not be the weapon of our controversies, but our daily food upon which we rejoice to live. Levi has this prayer that he'll sometimes say when he preaches, and I used to scoff at it years ago until, until this became a daily discipline of mine. But in his prayer, he would say, we, uh, when, 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 when he would uh, yeah, get up to preach, he would say, we thank you for your word, that as we read it, it reads us. He used to laugh, but it's true. The word reads you. However, used improperly, we can use it as a tool to pierce others and bring them down, instead of letting it do a work within us. So how do we live on the word? Um, it's possible to exist, but for us, we want to know, um, what does it look like to live? Jesus 6 verse 35 and Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Deuteronomy 8, just to to, to repeat it, starts out by saying he humbled you causing you to hunger. We need to get hungry for God's word and for Jesus and the first step to this is humility. Are you humble enough to admit that you need the word? Are you humble enough to put the Bible over your other areas of reading and of knowledge? I love fiction. I'm wrapping up a fantasy trilogy at the moment that I love, but this does not give me life. I enjoy the occasional Christian podcast, but I can't live spiritually with podcasts. I look to other sources to build my theology, but that's not where I build my foundations. I love small groups, and I love talking to people about Jesus, but the words of men and women aren't the long-term answer to a vibrant spiritual life. Our preachers are so good at local church that often I'm intimidated to share this platform with you for 35 minutes because they set such a high standard. But we can't rely on their powerful words and revelations because it needs to be in us. Proverbs 7 verse 1 to 3. Excuse me. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your finger. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Not on the apple of, of the priest's eyes or um, uh, bind them on your pastor's finger or write them on the tablet of your leader's heart. It has to be on yours. If you can talk and, 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 and are passionate about other areas of knowledge and theology and ways to live and this person wrote this book and did you see what this celebrity did and, 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 and there's a new way of interpreting the Bible and there's all these things and um, you know, uh, fast-paced information but you can't talk about verses or scripture that have been speaking to you recently And I encourage you, have some humility and some hunger for God's word. This is also from Charles Spurgeon, and I'll I'll, I'll go through this quickly, but he hears this in one of his sermons. May I ask you whether you're all sufficiently aware of this great truth of God. You never received spiritual life by your own feelings. It was when you believed God's word that you lived, and you will never get an increase of spiritual life and grow in grace by your own feelings or your own doings. It must still be by your believing the promises and feeding on the word. There is no other food for your souls. All else in the end will prove but husks. Therefore, are you hungry? Come and feed upon the word. Have you you backslidden? Come and feed again upon the word. God heals his people by feeding them. How so, you ask? When the church at Laodicea was neither cold nor hot, so that Christ felt that he must spew her out of his mouth, yet even then he said to the angel of that church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him, and will dine with him, and he with me. I am bold to say, there is no cure for lukewarmness, like a good supper with Christ. To live spiritually, is to do something as simple as reading the Bible. So what does it look like in my life? Caleb Granaway, he spoke a message to the leaders of our church about Joshua, and how Joshua rose early in the morning to do God's work. So I looked it up, someone else did the research for me on Google, There are 67 verses in the Bible about people getting up early in the morning. 67 instances of people being so hungry for God they rose early in the morning. This includes Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David, Jesus, just to name a few. Caleb mentioned um, um, uh, when he he spoke this message about Joshua that it spoke more about their hunger for God, not necessarily about having to get up early in the morning, but to have a desire that that we can't wait to live for God. With all due respect to Caleb, um, who is a morning person, and I think he was trying to be polite. I just think he was trying to be polite, especially to people like me. I'm not a morning person, but I think he was trying to be polite to us to people that aren't morning people. Because I think the Bible is actually quite clear that giving our first to God is important. And I think that does include giving the first of our day to God. Caleb, of course, was showing maturity because he knew that there are exceptions. He knew that there was exceptions, that there's people that can't get up early. I've never had kids. Um, I've, I've, I've not worked a job with crazy hours. And I haven't had health challenges preventing me from getting up early. And I think he encapsulated all of those exceptions by talking about the, the, the heart posture instead. Very wise of him. But I do think um, uh, for those you know, who, who aren't a part of the exception, who just aren't getting up early at the moment, that could be the one thing that is separating us from existing and having a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus. And for many of us, it's as simple as this. So simple waking up 15 minutes earlier than you currently are and spending time in the Word with Jesus. 15 minutes is 1% of your day. So the question is this, if you want to hear from God, if you want to learn Jesus' voice, if you want to live spiritually, can you do something as simple as spend the first 1% of your day with Jesus and His Word? To summarize today's sermon in a sentence, um, it would be, I'm just going to adjust my, my literal posture um, to summarize today's sermon in a sentence, it'll be the simple act of praying and getting um, uh, sorry, the simple act of praying and getting in the word daily um, is crucial for our relationship with Christ. Once we've begun to do these things, the next step is testimony. This is my last point. Um, I think it's okay to share the fruit of what comes from prayer and living in the Word, which comes from the application of what we've spoken about today. Share the fruit of what comes from that. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12 to 16 says, Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, exhortation, teaching. Do not not neglect the gift you have which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is a letter um, from Paul to Timothy. Um, In these letters, uh, Paul encourages Timothy, brings correction, admonishes him. um, Pretty much insert any mentorship adjective here, Paul does to Timothy. For me, um, uh, Jesus comes down so hard on the Pharisees um, in in, in the Gospels. We see Jesus come down so hard on the Pharisees for their constant public displays of self-righteousness, spirituality, law following, religious superiority, their pride and hypocrisy. He comes down so hard that for me, I was, I was intimidated to speak about what Jesus was doing in my life. I was afraid I, I, I wouldn't read my Bible in front of people on vacations and holidays in case they thought I was doing it to show off. I'd read scripture that would jump out at me, but I wouldn't share it with anybody because then it looks like I'm trying to show them that I read my Bible. I was afraid to act in ways that I thought Jesus was bending me towards because I was terrified of it coming across as hypocritical. What a way to overcomplicate um, and overthink a testimony. Let me, hopefully, Make it very simple for you and put your mind at ease. You're not as bad as the Pharisees for sharing what Jesus is doing in your life and you don't need a platform to share with those around you. John, uh, John 15 verse 5 to 8, um, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words... Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. I love that there. If you remain in me and my word, so word of God, ask, prayer. Um, Then it says that this is to his Father's glory. So if the fruit you are bearing is a result of remaining in Christ, remaining in his word, and asking of Jesus, then that is all for the Father's glory. And bearing fruit shows that you are Jesus' disciple. So bear fruit. It's not hypocrisy or self-righteousness to let others see how far you've come. As Paul wrote, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. And the the, the second to last thing I'm going to say uh, is that testimony is powerful and you should share your existing one. Um, Testimony is so powerful that the law for condemning someone as guilty is surrounded by having more than one witness. We must remember how powerful it is when we we are talking to one another. The hypocrisy of the people and a lack of witness is the reason that Jesus didn't condemn the woman caught in adultery. John 8 verse 9 to 11, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I. Go and sin no more. Deuteronomy 19 verse 15 says, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offences uh, or offence that they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. The other thing says that testimony is a powerful tool for pointing people towards Jesus. The result of Naaman's healing um, of leprosy ended with Naaman saying, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. John 12 verse 17 to 19, Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead and they were telling others about it. That was a reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. We love these big testimonies, and so we should, but don't overlook your perceived, simple, humble testimony. For every Naaman, for every Lazarus, for every blind and sick person that Jesus healed, there are stories like the woman at the well, and Zacchaeus, the tax collector. If God has healed you of something like Naaman, share it. If you've had a moment with Jesus, just like the woman at the well, share it. If something in your life was as dead as Lazarus, but it has been brought back to life, share it. If Jesus has has seen you and given you value when nobody else did like Zacchaeus, share it. If your story is simply that you have known Jesus your entire life, that you have grown up in a Christian home, the simplicity of this does not discredit your testimony. If your testimony is that you haven't grown up in a Christian home and found Jesus in just a moment, it is just as valid and just as powerful as those that we hear about that are free from something big. Share your testimony. Yours could be the affirming witness that someone needs to point them to Jesus. And the last thing, the, la- the actual last thing, I think I said the last thing before, <laughs> but, the- but the actual last, last thing um, is becoming a Christian. And becoming a Christian is simple. Um, if you're listening today and you're not sure that you're a Christian, um, and, and, or you knew you once were, but you don't know, or you've never been a Christian, we're gonna to pray together in just a second. I had a story, but I've run out of time. In my notes, it's called Story of Simon and Paul, which looks like a Bible story, but it's not, it's just two of my mates. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna pray aloud in just a second. And the reason why we're gonna pray aloud is because of Romans 10, verses 8 to 10. Um, it says this The word is near you, just to keep consistent with today. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the uh, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So today you might have been um, uh, listening to this, to this, to this sermon. Um, you might, again, you might not know if you if you are a Christian. Um, you might have never been a Christian. You might be wanting to come back to Jesus. In your heart, you know that He is your Lord. Um, there's going to be a button that you can click in the chat. Um, that button, feel free to click it. And that's just kind of saying that, yeah, I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. The next step, which is one that we're going to do together, is to confess with your mouth. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to say one line. When I say one line of this prayer, you can repeat it. Believe it in your heart, confess with your mouth, and then you will be saved. So the prayer goes like this. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that when we pray, you are near. I thank you that you died for me and rose from the dead. I thank you that my sins are forgiven and that you love me. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I, I think I went over time. Let me check. I think I went over time. So I'm sorry. First of all, I'm sorry for that. Um, but I'm not going to take up any more of your time. So MCs, over to you. Caleb, Alex, Yeah. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.